This might answer your question. Last night, <laughs> Let me close that. Well, yeah. It's good. How's the family? Good. How's the family? Meh, we're good. It's been a while since I've seen you. It's been a good little while since, uh, yeah, since I've seen anyone. Really? Yeah, really weird, huh? This year, first time Super Bowl, no get-togethers. No, no, no. Eh, what do you want to do, right? Had we been at the game, though, we could have sat on top of each other. They didn't seem oh, to yes. matter over there. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know what yeah. we should have done? We actually should have sent an all-time pod, uh, like, cutouts. Did you see all the cutouts in the stand? Yeah. For 100 bones. That's the worst $100 <laughs> you could spend. American, so it would have costed us 160 That much? No, less than that. Mm, 140 the NFL should be paying people to have fucking cutouts in the stands. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm sorry to say, but anyone who paid for a cutout at the Super Bowl is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, just you don't have it. You have money just to spend on whatever you want, right? Uh, at that point. Speaking of money, before we get into it, have you been spending a lot of money on CDs? Not so much. I'm trying to, I'm trying to dial it down a bit. But I feel like we start every episode saying how we how we uh, indulged in more catalog. Have you? I haven't purchased this week. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is I actually have more CDs at your place than I have that I haven't received in the mail yet. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, I got a little pile for you going. Yeah, but it's not that much. How's my book, by the way? You didn't tell me. Did you open it? Looks good. No, I didn't open. I unsee- I unwrapped the the envelope, but it looks good. And Down is there. is the paper still on it with the barcode? No, no, yours didn't get it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sorry. No, oh, don't be sorry. It's 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 wrapping. I'll be fine. Uh, so before we get into the episode, did you know today is the tenth year anniversary of? Yonkers, Tyler the Creator. Right. I saw that today and I was like, fuck, time has passed by. Time has passed by. And I wanted to comment on it. Yeah. Now we could take a quick minute on Yonkers, sure. We could take a quick minute on Yonkers, but the album itself Mm -hmm. to me hasn't aged. Goblin, we're talking about Goblin, Tyler the Creator, Goblin. Yeah. Uh, the song is great. I I still love that song. It's still a very impactful song. Yeah. In his catalog and probably in. Can I just uh, correct you really quick? Yeah. Because I had a feeling it wasn't today. Oh yeah, the video was today. Yeah, video was today. Yeah, February tenth. Uh, so the day we're recording, not the day people are going to be hearing yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. So February tenth, 
is the uh, 10 year anniversary of Yonkers. Um, I remember the first time I, first of all, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I didn't know who he mm-hmm. was. I don't think anybody did before this, unless you were really into, you were searching for underground, weird hip hop. Yeah. Cause that's what he came onto the scene being right. He wasn't popular. No, exactly. Uh, but this song was like really surprising to me. I was like, Whoa. Ooh, yeah, I remember like, us going off on this. Yeah. And I remember where I was, and I was in the warehouse, and there was this guy I was working with. I can't remember his fucking name, but he was like a very cool dude. Um, and he told me, he's like, Steven, this guy right here is probably going to be the next quote-unquote Eminem-style rapper. Okay. If not bigger than Eminem. Who would have said that in the warehouse? Uh, you, I don't think you worked with him. He, he was an older guy. I can't oh, remember. Yeah, I was name. working with you. I was working with you. Okay, he was an older guy. He played in a band. He had a beard. Kind of had like weirdish hair oh, all over yes. the place. He came from like Alberta, no? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was I in a band. Say, I want to say Kyle. No, not Kyle. No, anyway. not Kyle. But, anyways, yeah, and he told me that. And I was like, hmm, okay. But. The video was great. The song was amazing. It was different. We didn't see that in a while. Fast forward till now, he's huge. Yeah, he's a big deal. He's a big deal. Like he's is he as big as Eminem? No. no. But he's got into that mainstream high praise level. Yeah, he's also not much like Eminem in that. He's he's dialed down the shock value now. Any yeah, of course, anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh I think he makes better music now as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. For to sure. The point, to the point where Goblin to me is what it was when it came out is no more what it is now. It's not uh yeah. Goblin didn't really age well, neither did Neither did Bastard. What was his third album? Cherry Bomb was third? No, Wolf. Uh, even that. Yeah, we went ape shit for the fucking yeah, Wolf special was a, edition. Wolf was a good one. But I don't think that aged well either. Cherry Bomb. Either. Oof, that was bad. I think the last two are where it really starts... Uh, his albums start like... I don't want to use the word classic, but they start becoming more... Um, timeless. Yeah, and I'll, for sure. I, like I, you know how much I love Igor too. Like, I think that was his best work. To end it off, you ca- that album right now. If Goblin or that song would come out now, mm-hmm. would not have had the same effect to a popularity level as in two thousand ten. It would have it would get the attention, but in a way more negative way. Oh yeah, of course, that's a given. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's absolutely a given. Yes. So, uh, you have something okay. to add? No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say since we got that off our chest, well, my chest mostly because I brought it up. What are we here for? Fifteen years ago today, Jay Dilla died. 
We're so, recording the, the February 10th again, 15 years ago on February 10th. Dilla Dilla. Rest in peace. Yeah. Moment uh, of silence. So we're doing uh, a Jay Dilla episode. Uh, we're doing, the, I mean, you, you follow, but most people follow us. They know we've been doing Dilla Week online. That's been fun. You've, you've been doing a great job. We've been doing a, a awesome job with highlighting music from Jay Dilla. And, and the crazy thing is we've been really highlighting on him as an artist in, in full. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like we've been touching on like, like now by end of week, like you'll have seen like albums that he collaborated on with other producers. You'll have, we'll have shared songs that he worked on for other people's albums. We'll share albums that came out after he died because there was a there there have been a lot of releases following his death that keep coming out of material we've never heard. So yeah, we're just sharing as much as possible on um, his accomplishments. Let's say. His accomplishments, his 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 great music, his better music. How how did you get into Jay Dilla? Um, if you remember, I remember vaguely. Yeah. If I'm not, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna say it was the late two thousands. It was after his death, for sure. That's when I really had bigger phases in hip hop. And I want to say it's 2009 in particular. Okay. With, with uh, MF Doom's Boyne Like This, with Raekwon's Only Built for Cuban Links, with Most Deaths, The Ecstatic, there started to be a kind of resurgence in getting Dilla instrumentals and putting them on your albums. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember on Boyne Like This, the song we shared this week, uh, Gazillionaire, there's that kind of uh um there's a there's a transition in the middle of the song where he name drops Dilla and the beat switches. Dilla Dilla. So that that was kind of like that was particularly what made me want to find out who this person was. And then from there it was Rough Draft, the first one I picked up because it was vocal on it. Um Donuts, yeah. Donuts came next. Donuts came next, which was just fucking mind blowing. Um, I think that's how. I remember you telling me like I needed to check out the Far Sides uh, Lab Cabin, California, but I never really invested much. Oh, De La Soul stakes is high. Having been a De La Soul fan, after having found out more about him from. Like I said, the Raekwon, uh, those three 2009 albums, I then went back and said, uh, I then went back and noticed that he had produced De La Soul's Stakes is High, which at the time was my favorite De La Soul song. It's, it's, it's crazy how you discover that he's done so much so late, so in the late 2000s. Like you said Farside. Yeah. Farside came out, what, 97? 96? Was it not even before that? They could have been. Like Lab Cabin California came out. I'm, I'm willing to say 95 because Bizarre Ride was like 93. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stakes is High came out when? I think Stakes is High is 96. Lab Cabin is 95. 
Bizarre 95. Ride was 92. Live Cabin, California, 95. Stakes is high would be, I'm going to say 96. 96. Stakes is high. It's crazy how, like, the span of 10 years for that guy were just yeah. on fire. Incredible. Yeah. But you, you, you look at, and I'll tell you how I got into him real quick after. You look at Dylan, you're just like, this guy, it feels like he's newer because he's coming out with more solo projects, mm-hmm. early 2000s, but he's done so much more beforehand. But like full bodies of work, uh, specific songs here and there on albums, important songs, so many big names. But he's only getting his recognition later on. Yeah. Uh, we'll get back into that. I got into Dilla actually 2007. Sorry, can I add one more album to the list of albums that got me into or brought him to my attention? Q-Tips, The Renaissance. Yes. But because the single move, was that not a Dilla beat? Uh, Pretty sure it was. Could be. Well, you could tell when it's a Dilla beat. Do you have that? essence of Dilla in a song that you know whether it's the bass the drums or just kind of how the the beat flows but check it out while I tell you the way I got into him in 2007 was at HMV there was this these 5 for 20 you buy 5 CDs for $20 yeah and if I'm not mistaken it had uh, rough draft was there. Jay Dilla's mo- Jay Dilla produced move. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there was five for twenty for a bunch of albums, and Dilla had two albums in there. If I'm not mistaken, there was rough draft in there, mm-hmm. and could have been the shining. Uh, it was The Shining or it was another one. And okay. I en- ended up picking Rough Draft. And Enjoy. I listened to this. And I listened to this and I was like, whoa. There was two discs, by the way. You're getting yeah. fucking two discs yeah. and you're not even playing 20 bucks. I was like, I'm jumping on this right away. And there was a couple of other CDs I got in there. I gave you one of them, by the way. Um, Sound Direction, the matter, one, yeah? Yeah. Sound Directions. Thanks for that, and by I, the way. I no had problem, no idea. I never thought you would have that in your collection and not care to have it because I fucking love that record. Well, we're friends for a reason, right? Yeah. I know one day you'll pull something out of your tower and be like, I like this album, but you know what? Steven gave me this, so here you go. And if I go um, before you, you'll get the De La Soul albums. Please, because I'm never going <laughs> to fuck. That's. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, and I put on a rough draft and I was like, fuck, this is good. Like... I'm enjoying this, but I didn't get the full Dilla effect actually till we used to hang out and listen to so many albums together. Yes. Right? Yes. Like in your basement, and I'll let you tell the story because you have a clearer mind on it. But going I would have a clearer mind on it. Because you remember why we would put it on. Because we'd play NBA 2K and we'd be in triple overtime, Lakers versus Knicks, and I'm shooting threes with Kobe, and you'd fucking lose it. Because I was picking, I was picking the Knicks all the time. 
because of mellow. Don't want, don't wonder why you lose. <laughs> no, no, but um, yeah, we're we just... revisiting, we're revisiting these albums together, and it's like, oh, I have this. Oh, let's listen to it. But yeah. go. Why would we put on these albums? So. I remember you saying you owned it, but you weren't that big into it. Mm-hmm. So I would put it on. At this point, I already knew Donuts and Rough Draft. I don't know if we did The Shining too, but Rough Draft, I know we would put it on pretty often because it was like that midpoint between like, I like Donuts, but I want you to get into more Dilla. So put on Rough Draft because it's his vocals. But it was also so short. So you could hear it two, three times in a row. It never felt like you were like overplaying the album. And like I said, even now revisiting it, it's a super short album. But like, it's so weird, like how you get to like the end of the album and you're already, um, it's so versatile remember. and so much of it changes like throughout the album. Like he touches on so much that once you got to the end of the record, you'd no longer mm-hmm. feel like what you heard earlier in this project is part of the same body of work. Yep. So I you agree. go back and it, it's so easy to go back, go back and yeah, it just takes you from one track to like, it, it, it's weird. Rough draft in particular is a really weird listen to me. It's like, never feels like I'm listening to an entire body of work when I hear it. Yeah, but he, the way it came out... And I'm saying that in a good way. It's yes. different. He, the way he, that album came out was... I don't think it was finished in entirely. It was finished. It was? It was finished. The EP release came out in 03. Okay. And it was reissued in 2010 with extra okay. songs. And features. No, because well, this features it, on the bonus track. You have Guilty Simpson to, on Take Notice. Yeah, I think that was the last feature added to it. Yeah, but those are not part of the album. Okay. So there's a there's a ten track album that lasts like twenty five minutes, let's say, give or take. Mm-hmm. And then there's an alternate intro that kind of starts the bonus tracks. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's where yeah. it becomes weirder. Yes. When you're listening to it. Yes. Because you're like, is this a different album? No, I start from one to 10. My listens to Rough Draft are one to 10. And even at that, I find them weird. Okay. It's because like the songs that like, like I think it's nothing like this that sounds like a fucking 70s psych pop, psychedelic pop sound song. mm -hmm. Then it's like you have the money, reckless driving, Make him envy that are like fucking old school beats. Like make him envy sounds like fucking premiere. Then you have like interludes and instrumentals in between that sound like lo-fi donuts dilla mixed with like these this weird psychedelic pop song mixed with these fucking throwback 90s tracks. You know which album does that to me, what you're saying? Yeah. Is the shining. The Shining is very interesting in that way as well. The Shining is is like you're like whoa. It's like your your mind is spinning. There's so much going on. All those things yeah happening and 
And The Shining was another one we were listening to. And I could tell you why I know The Shining was one of the other albums we were listening to in your basement. Yeah. Because of E equals MC2 with Common. MC squared. MC squared, sorry. And Love. <laughs> I'm the worst with that match. Fine. And it's Albert Einstein, that. And Love with Fire Munch. And when he sings on that, it's just fucking incredible. We used to listen to this and we would put on the actual vocal one. Yeah. The Shining. Because oh, yeah, yeah. No, I never listened to alternate versions of Dilla's music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's what we would be doing for Dilla. And quick thing on Dilla is Dilla started with Slum Village. Yeah, so the origins, of course, he started part of the group. He was part of the group Slum Village. Which came out with Fantastic Volume, volume 1. one. Yeah. Which is, it's, there's a whole backstory to that, all that shit. So right? go for it, take that away. Well, what I want, what tell I want to people about Slum Village, because a lot of people don't know about Slum Village. So, like mentioned, Slum Village is Dilla's group. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three in the group. T3. Yeah. And somebody else that passed away as well in the group. I'm horrible with names, so it's okay. Like I said, I'm admitting that I'm not like the biggest uh, Slum Village uh, fan. But Fantastic Volume One came out early '96, '97. Mm-hmm. That's what got the that album itself, all fully produced by Dilla. That album caught the attention early on of the Q-tips, of the De La Souls, of the RZA, of all these people mm-hmm. who were blown away by his perfected production that they snatched him to go make music for them. That story yeah. always blows my mind. And I, I was watching um, that show on Netflix where they talk, where Q-Tip is talking about, and Questlove in in particular, talking about the first time he heard that album and he heard Jay Dilla's production, that they volume were two? all blown away. Volume no, one. Volume, one. volume one. Volume two hadn't come out yet because Volume two is Volume one, but it's it, honestly it's the most confusing thing in the world because they're both almost Some the village, same albums. Yeah, and Jay Dilla's catalog too is also very confusing. No, Volume yeah. 2 and Volume 1 are different albums. Same songs. There's a lot of the same songs that repeat. On Volume 1 and Volume 2. Yes, songs repeat. You're making me doubt myself. Oh, okay, I didn't I didn't know that about uh, the two Slum Village albums with Dylan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, that album, that first album is what attracted people to Dilla. D'Angelo. Erica Badu, all those people listen to that and, hey, you got to hear this. I think it was at a show that, if I'm not mistaken, was Questlove that said to Q-Tip, you got to hear this. Mm -hmm. And they put on one of the songs and Q-Tip's mind was blown away and they snatched him for... uh, for, for, to make songs for for their albums, I think I think you're getting confused though, and I, I'm not uh, I'm not trying to correct you or anything, but I think you're confusing the Fantastic Volume Two 
the original release and the re-release because volume one and volume two are different things none of the songs repeat itself no because me because i'm gonna be honest with you we've we've had conversations where we're on the phone trying to figure these albums out oh we did it for some of dilla's stuff for sure because it's really not clear but but remember when we ordered uh, the the volume yes. one and volume two? Because there's a com- there's a re-release that's called like a complete volume two or something or other, but that is missing tracks from the original release. Yeah. So then I'm not related. Is... It's not related to volume one and volume two being different. Okay. But yes, yeah, Slum Village. And and thank you for correcting me because I'm confused with all of Dilla's catalog, <laughs> like. You'll talk to somebody and, and you'll just be like, Jesus Christ, there's so much going on at the same time. But yes, some village. This is where people heard who Dilla was, what his production was worth, and took it on from there. Yeah. Then finally, Slum Village, uh, Fantastic Volume 2. Mm-hmm. And these two albums had Dilla as a producer and as a rapper on them. Which you heard the full essential Dilla. You know, you have everything of Dilla on there to where you have him as a rapper and shining more than the other two on the album as well. Yeah. Yeah. Next, you want to talk about his production, who he's produced for? Yeah, I just want to, I just want to, because I'm, because you know how I am when it, when it comes to like getting the facts straight. Yeah, go please, because I'm confused as fuck still to this day. There's one track called Fourth and Back Rock Music on Volume 1, and then there's Fourth and Back with Corrupt on Volume 2. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you off the top of my head, I'm more familiar with I'm much more familiar with volume two than volume one. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna say they're the same song, but I'm not gonna say they're not. And the song Players is also on the first one and on the second one, but they have different they have different runtimes. So okay. I, I see I see why this gets confusing. There's a song that's a bonus track on volume one and as an instrumental that appears on volume two. <laughs> but no, no, it's it, you're you're absolutely right in that yeah, it's 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 a weird track list. You're absolutely right. And and this is like me completely admitting that I think Slum Village is essential in listening to uh if you want to know Dilla's backstory. But for me, it's not an essential in, in being a fan of Dilla. I, I get Slum Village. I, 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 it's enjoyable, but too fucking confusing already. So Music he's produced after that. You want me to go on that? Yeah, but before we get into that, sorry to cut you off. No, to cool. me, what I love about Slum Village is that you hear something you don't normally hear in hip-hop. It's clear-sounding uh, drums yes that's true you hear it in the, the roots that's where that's taken from right right it's clear sounding drums to everybody every every producer has said it is hard to get clear sounding drums to Kanye West to Havoc from Mob Deep to all these the, these producers where the drums are the hardest thing for you to get at the right moment Dilla Preef Prefected that, yeah. And to hear people rap on them, where the where it's it's like chemically put together, and 
um, like spot on with the vocals is is amazing. It's 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 super fun to hear. It's refreshing. It's like like this goes perfectly together. Yeah. The MC talent on some village, in my opinion, is also not necessarily up to par with a lot of other music we listen to, right? A lot of other hip hop. I think that's part of the sacrifice you get when you want to get into this and be, you know, blown away by production. Sometimes cute, uh, sometimes cute, sometimes uh, J Dilla raps. Mm -hmm. That's a miss for me. It doesn't yeah, work. You've never been really. He cuts up his bars well. Melodically, yes. he's on point. Lyrically, he's he's empty, a lot of the time. I, I get where you're going with, and and I don't listen to Dilla for exactly. His exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna be like, hey, Dilla is the one of the best rappers ever. It's just how he does it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, for it's, sure. It's like how he, because the guy, and we, we were texting this, it's like he has the, he has the cheat code, right? He's, he's working on the beat, right? So he's mm -hmm. cutting up the beat. He knows when the bass is supposed to come in. He knows when the drums are supposed to kick in. He knows what's happening so much that for him, it's just like, okay, my vocals are going to go right here because in my brain, yeah, I'm hearing what I, I'm, I'm hearing I, where the flow is going to fit. So the voice becomes the instrument yeah. added to Absolutely, the music. Yeah. I think most people that produce their own music, like an MF Doom that we've seen, like fucking Kanye. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of the success is crafting the beat, crafting the instrumental and knowing where you want your kind of. Because when you're doing that beat, like especially a guy like a, like a Kanye, for example, you know that the beat you're making, like, as you're working through it, your next thing is already coming to mind and, like, how's the vocal going to fit in? How's, like, how are we layering this? How are we... So it's much more than just, like, here's my beat and somebody raps over it, mm -hmm. like a lot of other guys. To me, when Dilla raps, yeah, it's I don't see him writing, like pages and pages of lyrics and scratching like to me in my mind i feel he's more of the freestyle just type says it off. Yeah, yeah 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 because he that knows makes when sense. The, he's cutting up the beats he knows when to drop the the and the the vocals he's he's perfected that and he doesn't even finish his words on some of the yeah a bit like doom uh, a bit like doom. yeah so i mean doom does essence. it fun to be funny in a way but yeah um, so I, I I've seen what you're talking about, and when a lot of artists say they want to go get him to work with them, the interesting thing to me is how you know Slum Village Volume One comes out in '97, and Volume Two comes out in 2000. But the guys that are saying they want to go get him based on Slum Village have worked with him in '95, in '96, in '97 before fantastic volume one comes out because there was a demo floating around of volume one okay there was a 
you see the dates. Okay, so the, the demo the, was making noise. Okay, you, you see the 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 Slum Village albums. Yeah, the years are so. Oh like, yeah, it's easy. It's, it's because, very difficult to track because Slum Village had before the volume one we know and we own. Yeah, there was a demo version flying around. Okay. So then he went on like some notable things, Far Side Lab Cabin California in '95, Amazing Album. Quest. Yeah, that's a good one. A Tribe Called Quest beats Rhymes in Life in '96. Maybe not an essential Tribe album. He had tracks no. on Buster Rhymes The Coming. <laughs> he had tracks. Well, he did the the title track for De La Soul Stakes Is High, which was a hit for De La Soul at the time. Um. In 97, he had another song on When Disaster Strikes for um, Busta. He did a song for Janet Jackson. That That's pretty big, but it was, a, I mean, it's a remix. Uh, more Tribe Called Quest, The Love Movement. This time he's really producing a lot more on, on this album for them. That's in 98. It's crazy that the love movement, the love movement did not make it like it's not a essential tribe album yeah but it's produced by dilla it, yeah yeah no for, well i mean tribe had hit it big with the, their, their their first second and third album so it was then in 99 you get uh q-tip amplified q-tip from tribe for people that don't what people know but the whole album the two of them produced together that's crazy yeah that's and what then, attracted me to that to that album is seeing and that was earlier on too for me i i own amplified for a very long time because mm-hmm. of the production of of dilla and how q-tip like again they crafted it together they q-tip knew when the drums were gonna kick in and like you it's such a fun album yeah amplified's great amplified's a good solo album even it's better than with, the last two tribes album. To, well, not the last two, but the two before the hiatus. There's a song with corn. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's something else. Um, in 2000, before Fantastic Volume Two drops, while well, during the same year, he works on another tr- a couple of tracks for uh, Buster Rhymes' Anarchy, Common Like Water for Chocolate, a whole bunch of the album. He's uncredited on the Angelo's Voodoo. What was he doing on Voodoo? He produced a track called Feel Like Making Love. Or he contributed instrument, but he's uncredited. So I don't know what exactly his contribution is. You had told me he did instruments on that album. Yeah, he arranged some of the song. Yeah, Instrumentation, let's call it. And this is all in the same year that uh, Volume 2 drops. Some village. Okay. I think that pretty much, even like if you want to go down later into like the later parts of his like production for other artists, I think that covers like the important stuff. Well, that's huge. Oh, yeah, it's massive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a there's a quick story I want to add because you mentioned Common's name. Yeah. Common lived with him. Uh probably in the making of like water for chocolate which to me is common common my com- my favorite common album okay uh, than being, I think yeah. it's whatever's on is 
what I'll say is my favorite album. That's the thing with Common. Uh, I think B made yeah. our, our, our list in season one, eh? Yes. There's some Dilla production on that too, so. Uh, that Common was living at his house or apartment, apartment, whatever, and he would wake up and Dilla would be in the kitchen on a table just crafting beats from like early morning till the end of the day non-stop he would wake up and he would just be sitting there it would be like six in the morning yeah master his craft and it would just be like going uh like he would he would go out to record shops and Mm -hmm. spend all day just digging digging and just taking things and bringing them home and just making like listening to samples and seeing if this would go next oh this one doesn't work oh i found something and just making oh yeah for sure i mean like everything on the spot that's just that's like i mean that's also what's great about listening to dill is how many things you'll recognize listening to his beats listening to just his instrumentals Mm-hmm. I remember we were cracking up when we got that diary album and he was sampling Gary Newman cars and he turned it into trucks like we fucking thought that was hilarious it was it, it was fun like yeah. the guy yeah, the yeah. guy had fun with finding samples they, just think of it this way there's not they, they do nothing else but just look for samples it reminds me a bit of like the way Kanye said he found the samples for graduation. Picking covers, like picking albums strictly based on their covers. And, and yeah, that's it's crazy. And like when you listen to that album, like there's fucking samples from like tons of music that I recognized Can at the time on the Drunken Hot Girls, fucking Steely Dan on Good on um, Champion. And tons of the Kanye cuts on uh, on graduation are very similar to the way Dilla cuts up a beat. Well, yeah. Do you think you think Kanye Kanye West looked up to Dilla? Yeah, for sure. That's the crazy thing. A lot of people need to understand that Kanye West looked up to guys like Jay Dilla, Madlib, all these producers because they they did it super well. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to get into solo? Yeah, February 2001. Welcome to Detroit. By JD at the time. Solo, first great record. Yeah, Adwaile, Blue, Elzai, Frank and Dyne, who always sound good on Dilla stuff. Frank and Dyne sound incredible on Dilla stuff. Uh, they didn't have anything that I think was significant enough to make them a better group than that, but they're always good on Dilla beats. Mm-hmm. This kicked off like uh, the Beat Generation series, like the producer, uh, like there were albums that were producer driven in hip hop. You weren't seeing yes. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. When And also those years weren't really like it was the stereotype hip hop. Yeah. Well, Jay-Z was huge at this time. It was Diddy's time, right? Yeah. So this was, was- very underground. And you'll get that kind of idea when we when you listen to it. Like we always said, Dilla wasn't necessarily the best guy to rhyme, but 
his his raps are very aggressive for the guy that he is. Mm-hmm. He's trying to play the underground rapper, mm-hmm. but he's that's not really him. Well, you hear it also on the album that's after "Welcome to Detroit." Is uh, it? After Welcome to Detroit is two EPs. Yeah. It's volume well, one good. underground, volume two unreleased, and then you get the official release on Rough Draft. But you mm-hmm. do hear that on Rough Draft, as I said, those old 90s bangers that's kind of make him envy that sounds like DJ Premier again. Mm-hmm. They're a bit more, some of the songs are a bit more hard hitting than the stuff generally or typically is, yeah. More bass. Yeah. More, there's a lot more bass in Rough Draft. So after Rough Draft, the original, I don't know if we're going too quick. We, well, I mean, we're going quick, but I mean. Uh, we need to highlight a super important album that came out after. Yeah. So in 03, same year as Rough Draft, uh, Dilla and Madlib collab. And this is before Madlib has done Mad Villainy. This is before Madlib has done uh, maybe even any Quasimodo stuff. He might have done The Unseen. I, I, there's so much that I can I'm not, I don't know all the years for these albums. But they yeah, were The Unseen both, was out. The Unseen was yeah, out. Yeah. That, and and they, this was the same, uh, this was the same year that Dilla, that Madlib, sorry, did Shades of Blue which was oh. the Blue Note samples. So it's all jazz samples. Yes, because Madlib at some point stopped doing, stopped doing hip-hop and started playing instruments to do jazz music. He started, he started programming instruments, not playing them. That's the sound Almost. direction thing. That's the record that you get. That's the album that you gave me. He would program them digitally. So he would never play the drums from from what I under, from what I understood is he would create digital bands hmm. and program instruments using MIDI. He wasn't actually playing all the instruments. He may have played some of them, but he he the bands that he created were digital uh, were digital bands. Okay, because because after that whole jazz thing. That's when these two met, Jay Dilla and Madlib. Yeah. Because they were both fans of each other. Yes. So Madlib apparently plays guitar, flute, and sax. So maybe <clears> there's <throat> some things that he plays on these digital things. You have Shades of Blue? I have Shades of Blue. I love Shades of Blue. Okay. That's really good. That was the first Madlib album I bought. Really? Uh, well, Mad Villainy aside there and, and the liberation with Talib. But Mad Lib alone, that was the first one I bought. Uh, so Champion Sound. Champion Sound is Mad Lib Beats with Dilla vocals, Dilla Beats with Mad Lib vocals. <laughs> Back and forth, they're exchanging. As I said on the story, they're sparring with each other, right? Yeah. They're exchanging blows. It's friendly competition. It's who can outdo the other, but... It's all love, right? Yeah. Uh, kill me if I'm wrong, Malenko. But this is one of Malenko. Champion Sound is yeah. by J Lib is a top ten 
albums from Malenko. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Uh, I can understand why yeah. you get two of the best producers ever. Yes. Make an album together. And two of the best or the like... two best? We're not going to start throwing in the DJ premieres. That would be a good, like that that. Be a good uh, episode. episode? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, top five for sure. Both of them, absolutely, yes. Right? Like, and Champion Sound, and I was listening to it today because I wanted to just revisit it because I revisited a lot at the store. But it's so crazy to me how these two have two different styles of production. Yes. Yes. Right, Steve? Like, yes. It, to the point where it's like, I understand why they're fans of each other because they're not making the same music. They want to learn off each other. Yeah. Like Mad Lib is so left with his production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the point it's like, it's like, it's not eerie, but it's like weird. You feel weird listening to it because you don't know, like, is it supposed to sound like this? Look, it's dangerous to say this on a Jay Dilla episode. But no one's in the same. No, Madlib is out of this world, man. Production. Madlib hears it. Madlib hears music differently. Well, yeah, of course. That's that's. There's nobody like him. Um, For me, no, there's nobody like him. Fuck it. But did you see the shit he did with Gibbs? Did he make Gibbs look sound like a gangster rapper? Nah, man. He 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 makes everyone sound better, and this is something that I was gonna get to later. But since we're on it, when I when I hear a hip hop album and I see produced by Madlib, I look for the songs that are produced by Madlib to go almost specifically for those and pay more attention to them. When I see produced by Jay Dilla on a rap on a rap album, I don't think they stand out as much. Um, I, I think Jay Dilla's solo catalog is where the good content is. You see, on Cuban Links 2, the Jay Dilla production stands out than the rest of the production. But those are songs that they went to go take off donuts, yeah. off like off. like MF Doom's Lightworks. It's from it's from donuts. From donuts. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's cool that they recycle those beats, but to me, Dilla always sounds best in his own catalog, in his mm-hmm. own, even almost instrumental only. Yeah, I could see where you're, what you're saying. I just find when you hear a Jay Dilla on somebody's album, the it's it's clean. It's not fuzzy, hazy. Again, you hear the bass. At the perfect time, you hear the drums. It's clearer. It's cleaner. It's it. He it. The way he chops it up is perfect. Like the construction of the the beat itself is perfect. You would disagree. You, know you you wouldn't say that about. I mean, I I don't want to turn this into a a, a, no. a Dilla versus Madlib, but you wouldn't say that about Madlib's beats. Yes, but. The Madlib, the thing with Madlib is it's so perfect that it's 
imperfect to to the point where I'm like, fuck, it's weird. This is supposed to sound like this, but it's Mad Lib. You know when it's the Mad Lib beat. Yeah, for the most part. Like, fuck, you hear weird. For the most part. Dylan could touch on a bit more without necessarily needing to sound. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get that. But two of the best. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But here they are making a fucking album. And they're rapping rapping on each other's songs. And you hear Quasimodo's on this, too. Yeah, that's Mad Lib. As a rapper, you got fucking Guilty Simpson that's always on their shit and kills it on their shit. (laughs) Talib Kweli, Frank and Dank again. Guilty Simpson makes me laugh because this guy has the best formulas. He has Mad Lib, Jay Dilla, and he's worked with guys like Black Milk. All guys that fucking know how to make beats. Yep. And anyways, it's not a Guilty Simpson episode, but this guy could fucking look at what he did on Rough Draft and on The Shining on the Dilla beats. Yeah, on OJ Simpson on the Madlib beats. Take out the 65 skits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, this guy can spit, man. But, 25 uh, yeah. track album. I think there's 12 skits on this. <laughs> but that's good. OJ Simpson's a good uh, Guilty Simpson album, entirely produced by Madlib. Should have Madlib episode soon. We could. There's so much Madlib music to talk about, though. That's the thing. Is it's like, where do you? Yeah. Anyway. So, Champion Sound. Yes. Amazing body of work. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Anything After else? After that, no. We're just going through things. What's next? So there's a gap. Because the next album is Donuts, and when Donuts comes out, Donuts came out on. Sunday of this week. So Donuts came out on the 7th of February. Was it the 7th or the 8th? 7th, 7th. 7th, 7th, 2006. Uh, what a blur 2006 is, let's be honest with each other. Uh, I was supposed to graduate that year. Um, uh, 2006, Donuts. So I'll let you, I'll let, I know how much Donut means to you. Donuts means to you. I'll let you do the quick backstory of this. Um, For people that don't know, this album is probably, it's in our top 100s, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Top 50 for me, probably. To many, the essence of production and in hip-hop overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the way this was created and how it was created and where it was created and just the human being, what he was going through. So I'll let you go. Just highlight the, him being sick, I guess. Yeah, so he, so Jay Dilla was, uh, it was released on his 32nd birthday. Uh, it was recorded from a hospital bed where I think at this point they had known that he was going to, he had an, he had a, a blood disease that was going to, and he was battling lupus. Um, he wasn't going to make it. So and we complain. Whole, huh? <laughs> so 
I think the whole idea behind donuts was to create this kind of eternal loop of music. It starts with the outro and after the last track bleeds back into the first track. It's kind of like this eternal loop of Dilla music that his has, influences. That, that that what, sorry? His influences, right? Like all the music he loves. I mean, it's just, I would assume it's just instrumentals. It's just, the whole thing is instrumental. Yeah. Um, so this released on the 7th, on, the, on his birthday, and he died three days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was making this album, he became very like meticulous of like, nobody could hear this before. Like I say, it's done. Like it, it became an obsessive task for him to finish this album before he died. His, uh, I don't know if you were going to say this, but his mom. Yeah. Are you going to say it? Well, yes. Well, go ahead. Well, his mom used to go shop for him to buy records and bring it to the hospital. Yeah. And she heard the album. She listened to his album when he was in dialysis. He didn't like that. Because he was fixed on like nobody is hearing this. Um, she brought him records and forty fives. Yeah, I want to. I, I I I'm looking for more to say about this, but I I don't even. Uh... The, just the backstory of it is just it's pretty insane that he he because and I'm getting this from watching documentaries, talking to you, talking to Gabu, talking to a bunch of people about it, but mostly documentaries. He was the only one with that, with what he was battling that was allowed, because you couldn't, he couldn't leave his room for six months. Yeah. If not more. He couldn't walk, so, right? No, he couldn't walk. He couldn't do anything. He was in his bed. He was the only one that was allowed to have people go visit him in his room and turn his fucking room into a recording fucking where he would have his MPC and all his and, yeah. and everything there from a bed. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. And he recorded this all in California, the hospital in California. I don't think it was in Detroit. He was living in LA before this. Yeah. LA. LA. Yeah. LA. So just the whole backstory of it and the production it's crazy. Yeah. And and what I find really great about and what's, you know, we argue a lot about like when we talk about artists who are who get more attention or get bigger after they die, but like Donuts is his best body of work. It's praise like like it's it's even in the Rolling Stone greatest album, not that I necessarily think the Rolling Stone greatest albums of all time is the way to go but it's in that 500 greatest albums of all time it's it's a timeless classic it's marked it 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 solidified his legacy it made him as recognized as he is today and it came out just three days before he died so in this case you know like it it helped his music live on forever a lot of the music that came out before Donuts is not timeless. 
it's for the people that care. You need to like that that sound, right? Yeah, and donuts kind of made it so that okay, donuts is timeless. Donuts is fucking brilliant, but it allowed for the rest of his body of work to kind of live forever. You can't just do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 100%. It created a legacy. And just the albums the whole... that came out after he died to always get attention. It, it like just uh, a couple of years ago, Welcome to Detroit got a 20th anniversary reissue. Or was that this year, 2001? It was this year. Mm-hmm. So it was back in the it, it was back in the public because we saw it like getting a 20th anniversary reissue. Like it created a a, a legacy for Dilla Donuts. Oh, for sure. It's one yeah. of the most important hip hop albums of all time, just for that. Just for and that. It's, instrument, kind of, it's an instrumental. Imagine exactly. on top of it. But it sheds light on so many, like just you knowing more about Dilla sheds light on the far sides, the roots, the commons, the fucking Buster Rhymes. Like it, it, it expands that kind of, it expands into other territory if you think of it. He 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 based that album on all his the genres of music he he sampled from and he liked. Look at it, you have classical on there. Yeah, yeah, you know, like he liked the Beastie Boys. He sampled the Beastie Boys. Yeah, there's fucking Frank Zappa samples on this. There's there's so much variety. Mountains Long Red, like which became a classic sample for Kanye to use on 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 a lot of his beats. Uh, I like that he called uh, the Ghostface song "Ghost Song." Yeah, he because he thought that would be a song when he made that beat. He thought that would be a song that he could hear Ghost rhyme on. And did did Ghost not just kill it? Not on donuts. Just to be clear. N- n- yeah, it's not on donuts. It's on uh, fish scale. Yeah. Uh, I have a, an important question for you. Yeah. If he was able to. Yeah. Do you think that he would, he would have rapped on this, not on all the songs, because they're. Let's be honest with each other, Steve. I'm okay. There's songs that you can't rap on. It would be very difficult for you to find your pocket. Yeah. In songs on on donuts, a lot of the songs, like are really put together in a way of you listen to the song as a story. Yeah, because every song flows into the next, right? Right. So do you think he would have rapped on the songs that you could rap on? If he could, because don't forget, he couldn't fucking do anything. So the whole thing with Dilla was how he was kind of upset that he was a little bitter towards how, you know, guys like, uh, I don't want to say jealous, but like, yeah, he was bitter towards how guys like Buster Rhymes, how guys like Common, how guys like Tribe broke out based on the work he did with them, but he never broke out. You know nobody I mean? cared nobody cared about the producer that's the problem exactly exactly and and he was bitter about that so i i 
I think donuts in many ways was him knowing like I'm I'm I've always made music for others and it didn't help me out. So here's what I do to the best of my ability. And no, I don't think he would have rapped on it. Do you? D mm. I see MF Doom. I see Raekwon. I ghost like take these 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 beats and really do something well with it. Yeah, I would see him rap on some songs. How about this? I don't I don't think he was able I don't think he would have rapped on this if he could have because he didn't make it. He made the album knowing that he couldn't. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. song for Ghost, he 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 catered it to to so that Ghostface could recognize this and come get it, but if he could have rapped over like beats and whatever, I think it would have been very different sounding final album. The situation yeah. he was in, knowing that he couldn't, made him create the music this way. To me, what makes this album as great as it is and is the fact that how he chops up chops up the samples. Yeah. Like it's like you have rock. Yeah. But you just like like and the way you like if you love music, I'll put it this way, okay? And I've already expressed the way I feel about instrumental albums. But if you love music in general, donuts should be listened to. Everybody should hear donuts, yes. I agree with that. It's the perfect album. I keep thinking of one of our friends that doesn't like hip hop. And I feel like Donuts is that one album that would just get him to say like, okay, I see where the craft is. We have a lot of friends that don't like hip hop though. Yeah, I'm talking one in specific. Okay, yeah, I know which one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good I luck trying to I, get him to sit down and listen to oh it. Yeah, but. no, no, that'll be impossible. Oh, just good luck trying to get him to sit down, period. But uh, to add context to that, he's very musically trained and very yes advanced classical music knowledge that hip hop. He has his own him. album. Oh yeah, but he's also he's a bit he's a much bigger deal than that. But like now too, he's a much bigger deal than that. But it's he doesn't see the the appeal to hip-hop production to hip-hop he understands the poetry part but he doesn't understand like he understands that there's poetry in hip-hop but i think for him in his head the most part of it sounds like young jeezy <laughs> But his favorite hip hop song is 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 Move Ludacris. Bitch by Ludacris. Yeah. yeah, so we should have him on the on one day when he's not a... busy, because just to even get an answer on a text message is like impossible. I get so... answers. I get answers. He's a great Fuck. friend of ours. Oh yes, he's. But it's it's just funny to hear how. Anyways, we're going off topic, but this is the type of album that I'd 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 want to know his feedback on because I don't think he would hate this. No. But it's it's kind of to the point where it's not 
fully hip hop. It's like, it's, it's but uh, I appreciate this album as time goes by because of oh, understanding, yeah, sure. of understanding the backstory, understanding yeah. what he went through, understanding, because mm-hmm. you could give, okay, if you say hi, take this CD and go listen to it. Yeah. Okay. To a person that just listens to, I don't know, let's just say Gucci Mane. That's all he does, listens to is Gucci Mane, Migos, and that genre, right? And you say, here, take this album, go listen to it. He'd be like, man, it's not good. It wouldn't be interesting, yeah. Wouldn't be interesting. But if you give him the backstory and why these samples were picked for these songs and how the album flows and the outro yeah. and the album ends with the intro that fades out into the album the way the album starts yeah you get to understand the person more and why this was created this way and how the samples are the genres of music he enjoyed and him sampling and finding these samples because he Mm -hmm. enjoys them like the whole backstory to it is just is just it's just great and i appreciate this album way more yeah the other thing too is like giving it to somebody who listens to gucci Mane and migos uh and that shit like you said it would be probably harder to convince them to enjoy this than it would to somebody who likes good music that isn't hip hop. If you just give this a chance, right? Cause like you said, the samples, the way the beats are put together, there's so much soul and R and B on this. There's so much funk on this. There's rock, there's rock samples. There's, it's not even so much about it being that there's something for everyone. The way he chops them shows you how related all these types of music actually are mm-hmm. another way of seeing how everything comes full circle right the donut always somebody said the donut is also based on the vinyl yeah absolutely it is mm-hmm. i feel like that's another yeah that's a pretty obvious uh yeah so it's just an incredible body of work to go out on donuts yeah donuts is fucking unfortunately and it's weird like i like i don't want to get too much into the track list and stuff you know but the one my favorite track on donuts last donut of the night is track 30 that goes into welcome to the show which is the intro that goes into the outro but last donut of the night and that sample that keeps playing back and back thank you all ladies and gentlemen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's such a fucking i don't know why when i hear that that song it's it's almost heartbreaking it's really a a goodbye like it's a it's a that's it this is my this is the end of my show Mm -hmm. it's done for me he knew he was going that's that's what sucks so yeah (laughs) donuts in so many ways just now we just brought up another way instrumentally is able to touch you mm-hmm. making beats that don't even that aren't even made by him are making you feel something anyway uh, yeah so not to scare the listeners that have never listened to it or would like to go listen to it uh, when we say 30 tracks uh, that's a very it, quick album though yeah it's like one minute one minute 50 songs there's some two minute songs it's not an album you're going to pay attention to the tracks or the no, track no, 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 no. list you let it but play you, 
you I don't even know at what time like sometimes you're just like Jesus how the fuck am I already at song 27 that's it it's like a it's a 45 more or less minute album if you could sit through fucking a lot of the music you listen to you could absolutely sit through this it's 45 minutes it's about 45 minutes so that's donuts what else came out after this real quick just yeah let's highlight some of the yeah so in the same year as donuts the shining that's the Mm -hmm. album you mentioned that was a bit more of a commercial approach to dilla's music trying to really sell it so you had common on there you had guilty simpson again on there you had d'angelo on there you had fire Monch on there everyone he almost almost everyone he worked with is on there well, love with Faramanch is Insane. very, like it doesn't really sound like Dilla. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Then you had uh, a reissue of Rough Draft, which had extra bonus tracks and an instrumental part because people love Donut so much. That Rough Draft was reissued instrumentally as the second disc. So yeah. you could get the same approach as Donuts, but on a, another album. So was The Shining, by the way. Yes, you're right. The Shining was re-released much with, uh, yeah, that's very true. Then you get the very complicated J Love Japan, which came out a fantastic little 20 minute EP that came out in 07, but was then shelved because of, I guess, royalties. So there was a trackless change and there was some Sample clearing, tinkering too, no? and shit like that. Yeah, and that actually just came out in 2016. 17, we said 16. J Love Japan was released officially. There's even a track with Miguel on it that doesn't really fit with the rest, but good body of work if you care to go listen to something that sounds like Rough Draft and Donuts as well, with some vocal here and there, mm-hmm. like Rough Draft. Um, well, the, there's a, the, the song A Son Unique. Yeah. Uh, is on there that Raekwon took to put on uh, Cuban Links too. Yeah. Then there's a very important one to highlight, which is, again, very busy on the vocals, J Stay Paid. Mm. And this was an album that you used to tell me how much you loved. And I was like, how are you talking to me about this? And you're not even letting me speak about donuts. And I get why, because you got the Havocs, you got Raekwon, you got Danny Brown on it, you got Pete Rocks on this. Hey, uh, that Danny Brown song. <laughs> Jay Stapid is good, but it's a 29-track album. <laughs> this one feels a bit long. It's about an hour long, but... But it's like uh, the whole album is like put together like a radio station. Yeah. Exactly. Paying tribute to to Dilla. We, this one came out in 09. So now this already was, two years after the, his death. This is curated and put together by Pete Rock. Yeah, that's right. Another extraordinary human being, but that's for another episode. Yeah, it's still mostly instrumental, but the, the voice featuring standout. Doom is on this too. MOP's on this, right? I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. Jay Dilla really enjoyed sampling MOP. Okay, it's a sample of MOP. Uh, no, there's... I'm going to... Again, nobody kill me, but one song has MOP on it, or Little Fame, and there's a song also with a sample. But in general, sampling MOP 
was known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, that's it. So, like, going into the 2010s, there's a couple of things. Rebirth of, Rebirth of Detroit wasn't very good. Dillatronic, I think it was electronic music by Dilla, right? Something of that sort. I don't even care for that one. No one does. The Diary was good, though. The Diary Oof. was a good Dilla album. Remember good. that one, Doc? Yeah, good, though. Not let's, let's be real, not great, not... It was a good Dill album, right? But that was that was fun. It was fun. It was fun. yeah, yeah. Snoop was on there, right? Yep. Uh Snoop was on that fucking good. It's a very good song too. But uh Steve, that was the only thing they added to that was the features, right? To the diary? I believe yeah. so. I believe this was something that uh it's considered his sixth studio album. It was, uh, apparently it was intended for release in 02. So before he died. Okay. And it's the, it was apparently the final batch of, of unreleased material that he assembled. This was before dying. 02? Yeah. And some of the singles, like the, the song Fuck the Police was in 2001. It was a single before it found its way onto this. See, yes. It's uh, fucking. Gangsta Boogie with Snoop Dogg, yeah. yeah. And so cocaine, good. yeah. The again, Frankendank always on these records. Well, yeah, they're, he's from Detroit. Yeah, uh, Nas is on this. Yeah, Nas. Fuck. Okay, I like hearing the backstory of this. It wasn't fucking forced by some person. Well, the produ- the production on it is interesting though, because there's Madlib High Tech, there's Pete Rock production, Super Dave West, Bink. People touched up on this. People finalized it. It seems there may have been like some kind of tinkering. Obviously, when these kind of things lay around for a little while before they get put out. But anyway, yeah. I mean, it's a fun listen. It's not going to change your like. It's not going to change his legacy so to speak but it's it's a good uh a good album of his to hear i mean like i said the slum village albums are great i still prefer his solo catalog like i'll probably put this on and enjoy it more slum village albums are fucking long man something like this is just so fun and easy to listen to you know i really like the slum village but anyways well, we should get into our top five because now we covered pretty much his catalog and, and um, we always so, end with our top five. Is it top five? Um, Anything he touched. Including donuts? Yeah, we included, we, we usually include the best one. We included Mad Villainy for Doom, right? So I think it's only fair to include donuts for this. Oh, yeah. You agree or no? Yeah, let's, well, yeah, let's do it for sure. All right. Um well, the I'll go first then. Uh, so number five for me is going to be The Shining. Why is that? Touch, why? Touch, yeah, I mentioned why, I guess. You said that it's the most like commercial yeah. sounding. I, I agree with you, but I on here I find those like weird type beats as well. Like the more like abstract type beats. Okay. Uh, I love the I love the featurings. Like it's yeah yeah features like, are yeah. You have Buster Rhymes on the first song, screaming. 
like yes. the featuring, like the featurings, like they they they're well put together on this, mm-hmm. and it's just like nostalgic for me too. This the Shining, like it was like going to listen to this album and just enjoying it by just the cover and the featurings and just getting to know Jay Dilla and the production he does. Like it was just fun, and we listened to it together. So it was. Yeah. It's kind of like discovering an artist together. Yeah, Just, yeah, okay. He has a lot more abstract beats on this. Okay, that's fair. Like some beats are kind of like newer sounding for me to hear from Dilla. If we're going down the, like through the catalog. Yeah. Uh, number four is going to be, because now I'm the worst with numbers. Number four is going to be the fuck was I gonna say number four was oh um welcome to Detroit okay I'm surprised you put that at four I thought you would have had that a bit higher uh number three is going to be champion sound okay number two is gonna be slum village fantastic volume two okay and number one donuts okay that's cool yeah, uh, you know the, how the the way I am with the vocals and yeah, no, no, I get that for sure. Why I like the slum villages, why I like the champion sounds. Yeah, we're not. Uh, these are not bars albums. No, no, no. They're you're um, listening for the production. Yeah, I'm not like fuck. What what did he just say? Can I rewind? No, it's just like fuck. It's like I and all the albums I picked and something that stands out to me with Jay Dilla and not talking about donuts because that's onto a different production value and scale. Yeah. There's always that head nod, that, that bounce yeah. to Jay Dilla. Well, what that, is it that he says in that rough draft song that he says something about putting this in your, in your, like, like he wanted to make like car beats. Exactly. It's exactly that. Like champion sound sounds like that. Yeah, no, it bangs. It's like, yeah. Uh, that's the difference between him and Madlib. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that is true. That is yeah. I see. And that. some and some village being at number two. I for the longest time had the wrong fucking album. Mm. I had like that remix version. Yeah. Remember when we were on the phone just texting for the longest time? Yeah. Like. I I had I don't know which version I had. Yeah, you had the, re, the the re-release, yeah. But it wasn't the track list where it wasn't the same. Yeah, it was the, like, the, the re-release with all the uh, some tracks are altered and yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, for the longest time, and then finally getting the actual version, I was just like ah, like it felt like my ears were hearing something new. <laughs> like remember, we got we both got the two copies of both yeah. albums. Yeah. But yeah, it has that head nodding, that bump, that bump, that uh, that bounce to it. That works. Your turn. Uh, my number five is going to be Rough Draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, I like I like that. By the end of it, I'm like, what the fuck did I just listen to? You know, mm-hmm. I go, I have to, I want to go back to the beginning to see like how did this progress in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Number four for me. Uh, the Shining, man. It's like I said, it's commercial. It's it's easy. It's light, and it's artists that worked with Dilla, paying homage to Dilla. 
uh, the featurings on there were they put after? I can't confirm. I because I've never read that anyway. I didn't. I didn't look too much into The Shining either. But I find that just the fact that it's like the first one after he died, it's a perfect way for his collaborators to pay tribute to him, right? Mm-hmm. Number three for me is Welcome to Detroit. Which we, I mean, we, it's fucking. It's it's it's. We considered it for our top 100 at one point. We were like, is this mm-hmm. that good? You know? Number two, Champion Sound. I mean, I told you how I feel about Madlib. Mm-hmm. Hearing these two guys go get together is once in a lifetime, literally. Like, that's what we have, you know? And uh, number one, you Donuts. Ju- you just said it, once in a lifetime. That's it. It's like you'll never get another, unless it's Madlib tinkering. But there is a Madlib album, the Beat Conductor version, uh five and six which is a tribute to dilla a fantastic tribute to dilla almost sounds like some of it is dilla but that's again madlib tapping into like him being him hearing music differently him being able to recreate what you do you know but together actual working this is fucking great champion sound and yeah number one is donuts as i said i think that was obvious I have the answer for The Shining. Okay. So it's his third studio album. Uh, the Shining was incomplete at the time of Jay Dilla's passing. Okay. And it was posthum. I don't know what the fuck that word is. Posthum. This mostly completed. Discounting the instruments album Donuts. Huh? The Shining was the first full-length solo released by Jay Dilla featuring newly recorded vocals. Okay. Since Welcome to Detroit. Got it. So everything he did was... Yeah, everything like, he did, it's done, yeah. And then they added all the vocals. Oh, so it's okay. basically what you said. You you said the perfect word before. It's a homage. Okay, got it. So it's still fucking great. Fun to listen to, easy. Yeah, no, no, it's a great... Uh, it's a fucking great album, The Shining. Uh, so we've heard Jay Dilla after his passing. He's done... Well... They've gone to go get, but Raekwon. Yeah. Only built for Cuban Links 2. Yeah. Busta Rhymes. Yeah. Even on Busta Rhymes ELE 2. Yes. Uh, Frank and Dank, uh, his brother, Illa J. Yeah. So many other artists. Um, their catalog has Jay Dilla production in it, even after his passing. Yeah, like we said, his, his legacy is now created. Everybody wants a piece of, or their, or, or to give their take on what an instrumental is, or on what they think they can make better by you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so this was fun. Rest Did in peace, Jay Dilla. Yeah, for sure. That wraps up Dilla week. Actually, no, we're gonna share. Uh, Keep sharing shit stuff. Yeah, we'll share. We'll share stuff until tomorrow. Did um, I want to what? I was going to say, did you want to say something else? Is there something we want to do next week? Do you want to announce when the next episode is? We've kind of been on a bi-weekly schedule now because of just not being able to get together to do this and having to do this on Zoom. Well, we won't be able to do this till at least mid-March. Yeah. End End of March, maybe April. I have no idea. Anyways, at this point, we'll take it as it comes. So there's an uh, episode you you asked me about doing that you seemed uh, worried about asking me, but you asked me, and I mean, I absolutely well, want you to do it. 
We're talking about that now. You don't want to announce it? At well, least to say like something's coming? Because uh, well, before there, that, we might have an episode on the spot some somehow, but I don't yeah. know what we could do until well, then. Well, there's no music coming out, which it's sucks. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty dead, yeah. Um, nobody's touring, uh, unless you live in the United States, that for some reason you're allowed to hang out with each other and do shows and have an audience. But anyways, uh, we will have guests coming on. Yes. In the next few weeks. Yes. I like this Zoom thing because we can have, like, if no one's hearing, I'm sure that you know that we're doing this via Zoom. Uh, and it's way easier. And we're going to have some guests coming on. So we're going to have some guests uh, in the next few weeks. We do have an episode planned with a good friend uh, that's coming up. And are we mentioning his name or are we waiting? Well, we have two friends coming on. Well, yes, the first one is with Gabu. Yeah, if we could pull this off. If, but that's the thing is the Gabu episode, it doesn't really revolve around an event. We're no, just no, gonna, it doesn't. We wanted, to, we wanted to talk to you guys. We joke a lot about our obsessive way of collecting music. We wanted to bring him on as an obsessive collector and all go at it. <laughs> yeah, no, but he was a great, uh, a great uh, guest in season one. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's to one of our back. most listened to episodes. Can you go fix your computer and your internet so we can have you on the episode <laughs> and hurry the fuck up? And it would be great to get his, him talk about Doom also. Yeah, because he's got that copy of Venomous Villain that you want. And yeah, and I told him that <laughs> that I will take it from him or steal it from him or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, and then we have in March... Yeah. Uh, we are going to be doing the five-year anniversary of uh, West Side Guns Fly God with a special guest, yeah, Malenko. Who's also been on the show before. Yes. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious with the Red Man. That yeah. was amazing. He told, uh, uh, he told, if you don't remember who this is, it's the man that told uh, Bob Dylan to fuck himself. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, 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 no. Go listen to Bob Dylan or some shit like that. Sorry, he didn't tell him to fuck himself. That'll no, be no, on the said, next episode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna be on that episode that we're recording in March. We're still in February. We still have a long way. So could you make sure that your internet is good and that you're not in your basement when you record it? Uh, so I don't have to tell you to go upstairs. So yeah, that's uh, that's super important. But yeah, we're gonna do the uh, famous West Side Gun Fly God episode. Great. And thanks for making us it. do that. No, no, I mean, look, uh, you're very passionate about that. So it's, it's, uh, it goes both ways. Yeah. We're so I think keep, that's it. Yeah. We're going to keep trying to find little episodes to plug in here and there. It's been a quiet, it, like, as much as COVID sucks because we can't get together and talk, it sucks because, like, we're doing fucking anniversaries of, like, Dilla's death, we did fucking, like, Doom died, we did an episode. There's nothing, there's no highlights, there's no, like, like, Grammys are coming up, should we do an episode? Is it that interesting? Uh, like, we're trying to figure out different things to do based on, you know, we should have had a fucking it. Super Bowl halftime episode. Like, Oh, how did you like the weekend? Okay, let's end it with this. How did you like the weekend? If you were finished talking, I don't want to... Oh, the performance? Yeah. 
it's a Super Bowl performance. It's not, it's never really good, is it? All his music is about Coke. I mean, it's about uh, Wild Nights. Wild Nights and not remembering and what did I do and I think. But I'm not a much of a weekend fan. I like the I Can't Feel My Face song, if I'm being honest. I liked House of Balloons and I liked After Hours a lot. That was a new album. But everything in between to me is hit or miss. The song with Kendrick was good. Sidewalks. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we'll try and find things coming in and out. Uh, we could do Grammys. Uh, but what is the Grammys this year? They're all together? Is it fucking via Zoom? Uh, like how they're doing the Grammys? I don't know. It might be similar to like the Golden Globes or whatever Jimmy Fall- Jimmy Kimmel did. That was like everyone was tested and there was no audience. And I don't know. I really don't know. Just fucking test the person. And if it doesn't, if he has COVID, you tell him to stay home. If he doesn't, you tell him to go. Like, it's not hard. It is hard, though. How soon okay. how, how soon before the actual event do you do tests? And how much do you trust that they're going to stay clean until the actual event? No, you do it the day before or two days yeah. before. You do it like they did in football. Aaron Rodgers said that he got... Uh, fucking picked in his nose for 180 days yeah you could do it the day before i guess so if the I, I i don't know man i don't i don't really know i don't know anymore whatever we'll see well we have we we, we can come up with a couple of good things yeah we'll, for the we'll, audience uh, so and we'll, the listeners we'll sorry something yeah so uh thanks for everybody for checking in yeah, if you didn't know Dilla before today, thanks for sticking around and, and hearing about uh, one of the best producers to ever do it. Check out the check out the albums we've been sharing. Check out the albums we've been talking to. We we stored it in our Instagram as a highlight, so you could go back and see the stuff we've been sharing, so it won't be lost. It's uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. Rest in peace, Jay Dilla, uh, one of the m- most influential producers artist musician of the forever i guess no yeah forever hmm. it's a thank donut, you guys man it's one big donut it's one big cycle cycle of life forever thank you